Hey, dude. Okay. So, cool. I am recording for the Joyce portion of our discussion this evening. And we left off yeah. at Araby last time. Right. Which is a short, short story. Um, this, this, this kid seemed really sweet to me, this guy, the narrator in, um, in Araby. Our little, um, North Richmond Street. He's in love. Yeah. I think all three of our stories, uh, depending on how many we get there, are pretty short. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what are your first impressions? Um, you know, after reading, I've read five now, five stories in Dubliners, and an interesting thing about reading the stories at this point, uh, I discovered, or it, it came to me as I was reading the last one I read, I'm waiting for something bad to happen in each one now, and uh, I don't know if that's fair or not, but the ending of the book is called The Death, so, the you know, dead, or The yeah. Dead, so, you know, it kind of fits the theme. Um, but it feels like in each of these stories, it's like we're we're uh, pulled along, okay, and stuff is happening, and we're, we're everything's being explained very well, and there's just a sense of foreboding in each one. Um, and yeah, in Araby, it's That's the time, true. you know, the time of waiting uh, is is just kind yeah. of hard to endure because you feel bad for the, the little guy. You want him to go to the fair or whatever the market and get get the yeah, thing that power that, over his life. That he mentioned in passing to this girl he's so shy to talk to that he would get, you know, and you, you I could just sense it it was going to come that the uncle wasn't going to understand how important it was to this kid, you know. Right, and then just like like uh, I don't know, bully isn't but like tease him when he comes home, anyways. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk. Even the aunt realizes, can't you give him the money and let him go? You I know. Kept him late enough as it is. I know. Yeah. And let's talk real quick about what the Araby is. It's a bazaar, and I think you were mentioning, which I cut you off last time because of the uh, time constraint, about okay. you had read recently what it was like or what it was for. Um. So yeah, it was a bazaar held the the Araby. I guess it just. There's a bazaar held to support the Jervis Street Hospital in Dublin. Held, it's like a real thing that happened uh, in May 1894. Okay. To support a hospital. And this boy is in love with a girl who lives across the street. Um, did you underline anything? I remember the, the scene where he's talking about how he watches her every morning before he leaves for school mm -hmm. so he can follow her. That kind of stuck yeah, out to me. <laughs> yeah, that's all uh, autobiographical. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, no, no. I mean, it's felt like a like a really uh, you know, but did it, detail to put uh, in, but also just knowing that Joyce was a little creeper and would watch. Okay, I was I was gonna say it didn't creep me out. It didn't creep me out. It kind of reminded oh. me of being in elementary school when, you know, boys and girls were more divided. I don't know how it was in ireland but as as children we were more divided than obviously as adults and so I, it reminded me of, of sort of innocent boyhood but let me read a little bit of it okay yeah. it's on my second page of this story okay uh the paragraph that starts every morning every morning i lay on the floor 
Every morning I lay on the floor in the front parlor, watching her door. The blind was pulled down to within an inch of the sash so that I could be seen, could not be seen. When she came out on the doorstep, my heart leaped. I ran to the hall, seized my books, and followed her. I kept her brown figure always in my eye, and when we came near the point at which our ways diverged, I quickened my pace, and I passed her. This happened morning after morning, and he had never spoken to her, uh, except for a few casual yeah. words. So that's the that's the that's the main sort of that's the punctuation in how we understand their relationship uh, in the story. The pre-adolescent or adolescent, I don't know. Very like a twelve-year-old. And I think that she mentions to him in passing. You know, they don't talk much. That she wished she could have something from the bazaar, and that kind of incites him to well, to want to get something. Doesn't she say? I don't think she, she... Doesn't she just say, I wish I could go? And uh, she yeah, she said... If I go, I said... I'll, I'll bring, bring you something. You something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she can't go because... Joyce's non-use of quotation marks, but it does kind of get in the way of looking up quotes. Well, my version has quotation marks, and I read about that in the introductions. Oh, you. Oh, well... No, that's wrong. Well... <laughs> It had something to do with copyright. I didn't understand it. But yeah, it talked about how he didn't like the quotation marks. And the... Uh, um, like inverted commas, I think he called them. Just yeah. didn't like the way they looked. And made, I don't know what I think made, about that. I have nothing... I, I, I have no problem with quotation marks. I don't know about you. I mean, I would prefer his um, wishes respected, but... Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. Uh, it's wrong. I mean, I use quotation marks. Uh, not super liberally, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I noticed mind. that, Nash. Yeah. I noticed that you weren't a rebel about quotation marks. I mean, what's the big deal? I don't know. Well, but, but I mean, he thought they were ugly and made the textbook. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Who is that writer, you'll know this, who didn't write with uppercase letters? Because they were... On appealings, yeah, wasn't it E. E. Cummings? He wrote in all lowercase all the time. Yeah. Okay. I don't know all the time, but yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. It's just, it's one of those quirky things that I think you have to give to geniuses, right? Whatever you want, dude. Uh, That's my attitude, but at the same time, other languages they use like. Well, he used a dash, uh, right? He used a dash instead of a quotation mark. Dash. Yeah. Well. Um, I think dashes are in like French and German that I've read, at least like contemporary editions. Um, they'll use like two greater than or or lesser than signs. Hmm. I don't know what you call that, but like two back to back to show. Right. Um, at first, I was like, "Wow, this must be something they really want to emphasize," and then it was just like, <laughs> "Oh, hey." I vaguely recall that like, from German. I vaguely recall okay. something. From German class, I recall it being different, the way mm-hmm. they quoted things. Yeah. Um, um, all right, well, that was... certainly read and experienced a lot of non-English literature, so, yeah, uh, that maybe set True. him to thinking about, like, why do we do this ugly little thing? True. True. Yeah. Um, all right, but, but, but your edition doesn't have them. Mine does, unfortunately. So it's easier for me to yeah. find quotes when people are talking, which is the whole point yeah. of the quotation mark. But I digress. Yeah. 
Anyway, um, yeah. So they're talking, and she's. Yeah, he suggests if I go, I'll get I'll get you something. You don't even doesn't even like necessarily say that she was like, yeah, that'd be great. It was just that's he true. Suggested it, and she ha- and her response is uh, unremarked upon. Uh, she could not go, she said, because there would be a retreat that week in her convent. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean she's I... in school, I guess, at a convent? She's not a nun. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, a convent school, yeah. Yeah. So, um, nevertheless, this has a huge impression on him. He says, what innumerable follies laid waste my waking and sleeping thoughts after that evening. I wish to annihilate the tedious intervening days. That stuck with with me, the annihilate the intervening days line. Um, yeah. We've all felt like that, right? And it's so funny because it reminds me again of childhood when your your emotions and your understanding of things are so much... It's it, Things are so large, much larger than they are later on in life. You know, if this happened when he was an adult, he would probably want to please the girl, but it wouldn't be this Im- yeah, immense thing, nervous. you know? It would be like, okay, I'm going to go on Saturday if I remember. You know, it wouldn't be like obsession for five days or whatever. Um, And then the poor guy, he's just pinned upon the uncle, I think, for money. And then the uncle takes forever to come home on the day of the bazaar. And he runs to the bazaar. uh, He gets on the tram and makes Which also, by the way, implies... So, I mean, he doesn't have like an allowance or like a weekly allowance that he can save up, but... Also implies that, I mean, he probably gets hit on, everybody works, you know, six days a week. Well, do you recall... on Saturday. Do you recall the... So he had to wait for payday. Right. Do you recall the detail in The Two Gallants where, um, hold on, I'm an idiot. That's, we didn't read that yet. Have you read that yet? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, in Eveline, <laughs> there's a detail oh, okay. in Eveline, the next story, um, mm-hmm. where she has to wait to get the market, to go to market on Saturday, yeah. um, and she right. has to get the money from the guy, so I think you're right about the payday. Because yeah. I, I was wondering, why did, why is she first. talking about Saturday? Yeah, it was weird, but now I see the connection to this story. Um, yeah. All right, so he barely Maybe makes it Eveline to the bazaar. stories of lots of people. How would you describe his experience at the bazaar, Nash? Mm. Would you say it was fulfilling? <laughs> um, it is not a... So, yeah, he wanted... He just now is... Right, I guess he hadn't really been thinking about the bazaar before she said anything. Um, but yeah, his whole point of going to the bazaar is to buy or something. And he gets there... Uh, everything's like packing up or half of it's already closed if I remember correctly and the rest is kind of packing up um, and then yeah he, he, he does go to one like, uh, place that has porcelain vases and teacups I'm looking for if it has like a name or anything but I don't think there's different stalls and you know yeah. set up like like a like a um like a traveling fair kind of thing right i really liked the, the yeah, i really liked the overhearing of the conversation um it reminded it reminds mm-hmm. me of how to me a good writer has a good ear for conversation i don't know if we i think we've talked about that before in some context 
Um, you know, you've got to be able to sort of have an uncanny ability to hear how people are talking if you're going to be a good writer, don't you think? And he overhears the, the women at the fair just having a conversation you can't even understand the, the context of, but it just, I'm sure that's exactly how. As a kid, it was very intimidating to hear. Um, even a young lady talk with two young gentlemen or, you know, uh, a age group ahead. Yeah, they, they're um, not nice to him. Yeah, that could be very, yeah. They're not interested in helping him. Intimidating. Observing me, the young lady came over and asked me, did I wish voice, to buy yeah. anything? The tone of her voice was not encouraging. Not encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Been there. So you see then, what I mean? Um, you see? All, all, all loads up to, I lingered before her stall, though I knew my stay was useless to make my interest in her wares seem more, <laughs> seem the more real. Then I turned away slowly and walked down the middle of the bazaar. I allowed the two pennies to fall against the sixpence in my pocket, which is not much money. I heard a voice call from one end of the gallery that the light was out. The upper part of the hall was now completely dark. Gazing up into the darkness, I saw myself as a creature driven and derided by vanity, and my eyes burned with anguish and anger. Yeah, that was um, that was a memorable ending. And do you see what I mean about? Yeah. The, it's like he's he's training us. It feels like in these first three stories. I, I don't I don't know if disappointment <laughs> is the right word, but for a disappointment. Yeah. What's another word? Um, uh, there's like pathos. In yeah, like p- pathos is a good word because the the previous story at the ending with the um the encounter story. Yeah. Yeah, pathos I think describes the feeling of confusion, so sort they, of. They get away, so it's not like yeah, as it's not a, a horrible story. But it's not like Tom Sawyer, you know. Power story. Yeah. It's not like what a what a lark, you know. That was fun to read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, true. All right. Yeah. Poor guy. I like the driven and derided and then anguished and anger. Do you um, think we're supposed to feel in agreement with him or definitely not about the vanity? Oh, well, I, 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 I wasn't even thinking of judging whether or not his, yeah, his feeling was... Right. Well, but in terms of, I guess I'm asking, do you think Joyce is mocking people who feel that way, or? Oh no, I don't think he, I don't think he was. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I thought of it as kind of a sin, you know, like maybe this guy's the shame of caring too much or something. Oh, I forgot the vanity is. Yeah, I was thinking more vanity of vanity is all of vanity. Um, is vanity one of the. I don't think it's a deadly sin, but I don't know. It's got to be a sin, though, right? I know we learned those. I learned those at some point. I think it is. (laughs) That's a stark way for a little boy to think, right? I don't know. Yeah. It's sad. It's not that big of a deal. uh, uh, You want to annihilate, when you're talking about, like, you know, annihilating the tedious intervening days. um, Yeah. He wasn't able to buy uh, his his beloved, uh, you know, trinket. Probably not something great you could get with a shilling in 
right. or whatever. Um, so yeah, he wasn't able to buy his is the 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 girl he has a crush on. I don't I I don't know what you could buy with that, but like a very cheap piece of jewelry or something is probably the best. And that's yeah, why it's sweet much. because you know it's like obviously it's it's a worthless gesture. You could be more yeah. imaginative than this, probably. I mean, you could probably do something with even your experience of having gone. So to be so despondent yeah. is sad. Yeah. For me. Yeah, and I mean Joyce uh, is, is is a comprehensive writer. He, he has pretensions of just putting the whole of life into in, into his literature. And yeah, this is something that, you know, as a self important writerly writer might not think to write about. Um mm. Yeah, it's true. It's you know, sort of a non event. You're not writing about death. Yeah, exactly. Not writing about death or you know, grand uppercase L love or sacrifice or war. I I think I think it was Cormac McCarthy who said that, like, Proust bored him because, you know, he only likes to read about, you know, things where the stakes are life and death. I'm sorry, who bored him? Who bored him? I think he was was talking about he he couldn't read Proust or somebody. Oh, Proust. Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, that's that, dude. (laughs) The stakes of most of life are not life and death. Mm. Um... So that's a lot of life not included in in, in your just, yeah just not included in, in in his literature for one thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just just like a, a kid being kind of disappointed or being disappointed is something he even he probably won't even remember in seven years. Well, you um, know, gets a gets a story, gets a whole story for for Joyce. I wanted to go on a tangent about that, that you, what you just said about what McCarthy said, but I'm not sure it'll be worthwhile or if I'll be able to um, express myself well. So maybe I'll just stop. Um, what, what were you going to say? Well, you made me think about how, I mean, I never really thought about that, but if you're reading something, and as a writer, we both uh, write, okay? One of us is published, one of us isn't. But, uh, the bag. But you're always, when you're writing and when you're reading, I think, and maybe because I like to write characters when I'm reading, I read into the characters the motivations and the thinking. Like, I try to figure it out. You know what I mean? Maybe that's something that I do too much. Um, there should all, I, I think in someone who's a good writer, there's always something behind, you know, whatever's going on. There's a background that's being unspoken but is understood by the person writing it, right? So... There's something there's something deep in anything like there's in other words, this story does have that in it, yeah, if you were to think about it or try to find it deep enough, but it's not on the surface. does that make sense? I don't know well, but I mean even even just like the appreciation of just like a you know the the literary appreciation of such an unimportant mm-hmm. event mm-hmm. um superficially unimportant and i think yeah just cosmically unimportant uh it's not you know uh echoing or resonating with some some mythological of you know mythological yeah. system that it sets off of 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 you know 
uh, reconnaissance, reconnaissance. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think that's when we talk about Ulysses, especially, and he's just like trying to put all of life into one day, and there's, there's a guy scooping, and there's a guy masturbating, and um, it's everything in between those things. <laughs> um, and, you know, going to a church and stuff. Um, yeah, uh, trying to be comprehensive. Yeah, you just, you just can't, as, 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 as a writer, if you have pretensions of, you know, uh, importance. But I, 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 yeah, pretensions of, like, 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 starkness and, um, yeah, I guess of importance and seriousness. Well, and the, yeah, I think there's a. What it speaks to me. I think it's. Di- is the part of the human experience. Right. And I think it's. I don't know how to say this exactly, but it's difficult to not go over the line into being someone who is um, didactic about how you feel someone should be thinking, you know, exactly, versus mm-hmm. someone who is. You can just tell when you're reading someone like um, James Joyce, okay, or any great writer, they're expressing something that's comprehensive automatically. Does that make sense? It's kind of like... Yeah, I mean... There's no there's no preaching necessarily. It's... I don't know how I'm trying... There's no preaching. It's just, this is life, I'm explaining it, and and, and there's something special in just reading how he understands this little boy's experience. Yeah. But I mean, that, that, that that's on the level of technique where he, like, uh, like I, I, I think I was kind of getting at the Eucharistic moment, the epiphanatic moment, um, kind of just presented without, you know, interruption. Certainly not, certainly without didacticism. Um, now, do you feel like he achieved like that in his later works too? Do you think in his attempt to be more comprehensive and intense about his um, later novels, do you think he achieved that same feeling? Well, uh, those aren't. I mean, the, the the technique of the later work is just different. It's yeah. Not his, his interest. This is his interest in Dubliners. Right, um, but. Which isn't necessarily his focus in Portia the Artist, certainly not so much in uh, Ulysses or Finnegan's Wake. Yeah, I mean, he achieves it here, is all that matters. Okay. All right. All right, let's move on to the next story, Evelyn. Yeah. All right. Again, and, you know, a warning to people who haven't read it. There is sort of a feeling of dread, I would suggest, reading this story going toward the end. It's a very short story, again, just like Araby. I mean, there's a lot of just, like, resonances of of, uh, her her name, Evelyn, uh, watching the evening evening invade the avenue. It's just getting dark, and there's... um, I think her mom dies on like page four of this, or you know, talks about her mom dying, and um, yeah, pretty quickly. Um, we, 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 yeah, just just just, just the ambiance is is one mm-hmm. of. Um, she sat at the window watching the evening invade the avenue. Her head was leaned against the window curtains, and in her nostrils was the odor of dusty cretonne. Cretonne. She was tired. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. There's a sense uh, of um, atmosphere like you would get in a... Uh, like if you were setting up a movie, you would have fog, you know, and you would have yeah the dark shadows leading into the train station and so forth. Um, yeah, I got what you were saying yeah, there. Yeah, there's something gluey. There's not... I mean, it, I, I don't want to, like, repeat too much, but it's not like... A, I mean, she's just alone sitting there. There's no one... You don't, like, see people up and down the avenue, as opposed to the next paragraph where she talks about she used to play in that field, um, but then it was built up into houses. Um, you feel really inside her brain in this one. Yeah. The other, one, the other ones, you feel more like you're on a journey with the characters, and this one you feel like you're inside her head while she's sitting there thinking, which I guess you are, right? Well, she's, I mean, she's, like, not really on a journey until... Right. I mean, she's... she's spoilers... <laughs> Um, she's on a journey to not go on a journey. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, uh, just sitting there thinking. I don't know if it's a function of how short these stories are, but it reminds me, especially having just read or talked about Araby, uh, that I, I like, I like her and I feel bad that she, that it ends badly or that it ends in a way that is not. Uh, climactic for her that you know where she would be vivacious not hopeful, for her. Not hopeful. um she doesn't get away. yeah she doesn't get out of the situation yeah. and knowing joyce in the context that he's writing about I, I i feel bad for her and i wonder if it's a function of how yeah. short the stories are that i get so intimate with these people so fast because um you know i felt bad for the boy mm-hmm. and I, I cared about the boys in the encounter and if they were safe. Yeah. And I liked the well, priest and the boy in the first story and the sisters. I I I, I, I felt yeah, bad for so his confusion. We talking about you know? like the epiphanatic moments. They're not exactly the, you know, privileged moments of being or, or privileged moments of Walter Pater and, and, and Oscar Wilde, but they are uh vivid. There's a vividness okay. to to the incident. Um even if it's a girl doesn't get on a boat. That's a good word, vivid, because if you think about think about how weird writing is, I mean, you could put anything you want on this page. It could be anything. Right. And somehow this person put it in such a way where you feel empathetic about Evelyn in four mm-hmm. pages or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to say that. Um, so let's talk about her yeah. situation. She works hard. That is made clear. They say that a lot, I feel like. Um, <laughs> she was tired. She doesn't like her the, the first paragraph. Um, it's hard raising her, taking care of two kids. That's a good word, that is. She had consented to go away to leave her home. Was that wise? She tried to weigh each side of the question. In her home, anyway, she had shelter and food. She had those whom she had known all her life about her, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, she talks about her job. She works in a shop where she's not harder. really wanted. She had to work hard. Um, okay, so then she lives with her father. Um, and they have a, a relationship that is difficult. Abusive. Okay, abusive. Yeah. In parts, he's very cool, I guess, you know. She seems to th- remember some of the instances where he made the kids laugh. But overall, he is rude as hell. And um, 
doesn't appreciate what she does for the family, which is apparently Finn for the entire family when she goes out to the market and cleans and cooks and everything. Um, yeah. And works on top of that. Um, make sure the kids go to school. Make sure. I don't understand the kids. She has that, to work hard to keep the house together and to see that the two young children who had been left to her charge went to school regularly and got their meals regularly. Yeah, for some reason hard she has work, two kids. A hard life. A hard work, a hard life. Um, Where is that? Oh, uh, that's that same paragraph. Okay. Um, or maybe not the same paragraph. It starts, it's the end of the paragraph that for me starts, or it is for everybody, hopefully. Uh, but in her new home, in a distant, unknown country, uh, it would not be like that. Okay. Reynolds Eris. Yeah, I got it. It was hard work, a hard as, life. As opposed to the foggy air of the Cretone, dusky Cretone air of her life. But she did not find it a wholly undesirable life. <laughs> yeah. She was about to explore another life. But she really is ambivalent. Um, Frank. Yeah. Frank was uh, a sailor. And you know what this reminded me of, of course, was uh, Ophelia. I mean, um, sorry, um, Desdemona. Oh, uh, Othello. Desdemona. He had tales of distant countries. Of, yeah. He had started as a deck boy at a pound a month on a ship of the island line going out to Canada. All right, so this Frank guy, he's a sailor. He doesn't get along with her dad, so they have to have this secret love affair. And he's asked her to marry yeah. him and leave and go to Buenos Aires. Yeah. Um, let me read this line about her mother. Uh, she mused the pitiful vision. As uh, she mused the pitiful vision of her mother's life, laid its spell on the very quick of her being. That life of commonplace sacrifices, closing in final craziness. All right. So I have to ask: Is that relevant to how Joyce's mother's life ended? Did she go crazy? Um, I don't know. That was just a, that was an intense line about her mother. That's what I mean about how good of a writer he is. He just brings you in so vividly, so quickly, you know, to explain something. Super bones around the nonsense that she says at the end. Who knows what that means? The foolish insistence that Derevon Saran. Maybe like something. I'm not sure. some dementia riddled uh, recalling of, of, of like a song or what something sounds sing songy but it's not words not in Irish or English yeah so remembering her mom saying those strange words she stood up in a sudden impulse of terror escape she must escape, escape. Frank would save her the sailor he would give her life yeah <clears throat> perhaps love too but she wanted to live. Interesting. Um, all right, so let's talk about her choice to not live, to not go. She decides at the last moment. Um, and this convinced me that Frank was serious, because I couldn't tell what I thought about Frank. But he is... He's, he's fully... Yeah. He's not kidding. 100%. He wants her to come on this ship, and he kind of, like... Up to the last second, even apparently when they're trying to get the um, 
the trying to brush her back, brush himself back off, or yeah, yeah. whatever that thing is called that you walk up boats on. Um, gangplank, gangway, <laughs> whatever it is, he was standing on it saying, "Come." All right, so why was it impossible for her not to go, Nash? She says it was impossible. Hmm. Um. I mean, that this is just like the paralysis, that, you know. Mm. Um, is she paralysis? Of, is it her environment? I mean, it it, it it would be a huge. I mean, it. Yeah, the reason the reason she can't go is because the reason she doesn't go is the reason she needs to go, which is, um, yeah, it's so like the opposite of uh, what her yeah, so different than her life would be. Or if there was like a. I think that's a warmer climate than than, than, than Ireland, but it, yeah, just be like a uh, yeah a livelier new part of the world to be in. Um, certainly unstuck from all of her family obligations. Um, and she yeah. makes she makes clear, by the way, that they would be able to get along without her. I don't know how. I mean, I assume she's correct about that. But, I mean, she's uh, she's only nineteen, and she uh, works at a shop. She gets seven, seven shillings a week or something, mm-hmm. um, if I remember correctly. From that, what you're saying, but her her entire wages were seven shillings. She's not making much money. I mean, financially, they could probably get by, but I don't know about. Uh, I mean, her dad seems like he probably can't keep a house together. I'm trying to find where she mentions that they would be okay without her, but I don't, I don't think I invented that. But um, well, she does. I mean, she does feel like the lines you were talking about. Even when she's like realizing she needs to escape, a few lines before she said, um, she remembers that uh, air on the like a pipe or a street organ. She knew the air, strange that it should come that very night to remind her of the promise to her mother, her promise to keep the home together as long as she could. She remembered the last night. So, yeah, that, that, that memory of her mother's dying is also, you know, bound up in her uh, sense of responsibility to keep the house together. Yeah. Okay. Well... I think your line about the reason she can't go is the reason she should go is a good summary. Mm. I, I, I thought it was kind of cruel. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm always saying that, but I don't want to I don't want to condemn mm-hmm. Joyce here. He says that she she's passive like a helpless animal. Her eyes gave him no yeah. sign of love or farewell or recognition. That seems unfair probably. I don't I mean, he wrote it, but you know, it's interesting. She does mention earlier he might give love as I'm well as life. Like a helpless animal. Um, yeah, that. I mean, I don't. I don't think that's cruel to her. That's... Her eyes gave him no sign of love or farewell or recognition. Does it just seems strange that she would not at least feel compunction for skirting her obligation? Well, I mean, she's kind of going through something. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Her white face to him. It's drained of. I took. I took it as kind of like a, uh, a judgment about her, though. Well, anyway, I guess. Huh. The judgment is that I think it is more of just like a like like yeah just like um, like how she's feeling. Yeah. Okay, uh, an animal that you you know I don't know stumble upon in the woods or something that's been hurt. I don't know. Okay, like a bird or something. Evie, I don't remember what animals are like. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't come across an animal in months. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so after the race is the next story. And what? Do you think we have time? We do if you want to keep going. Doesn't it? It only goes for. Okay. Yeah, we're Uh, at 37 minutes. Okay, cool. So I think we have time. After the race. I want to know what you think about this story because it has such a unique feeling among these last four. To me. Um, well, yeah, definitely we're aging, or the, these stories are, like, aging up. He's, Jimmy is 26? <laughs> I don't know. He's something like that. Yeah, that's so that's he one big difference. 20, <laughs> he was about 26 years of age. I like that. Um, that, 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 that imprecision. Um, that deliberate imprecision. Because, yeah, you could make up. He's, you know... He's, he's he's 25 in six months or something. Right. But he's a he was about 26 years of age. That you know, fuzziness about uh that, that, that yeah just fuzziness about his, his him. Um, it's funny. And yeah, it's like a perfect little introduction to him. I don't you don't need any anything else about him. Um, although yeah, we do go into talking about his father. Who had been an Irish nationalist, kind of uh, lost his politics and he got really wealthy. Um, and yeah, he like, went to school and went to Cambridge and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, let's. It, it, it is definitely like a different feel. Let's talk about how there's four main boys here, okay? Four hardy young men, and they're in a race, all right? So it's. It's sort of difficult, I would suggest, when you're reading it, to keep track of which one is which. Charles, I'm going to say this wrong, but Charles Seguin, the owner of the car. So there's, like, this rich French guy named Charles who owns the car. His father, I think, is really wealthy. And, and owns, apparently hotels. Yeah, and owns yeah. hotels and cars and things. Hotels in France. And then Andre Rivera, a young electrician of Canadian birth. All right, so I guess he's kind of dragged along with Charles, I got the sense of. Like, they were buddies, yeah. or maybe he worked for his father's company, Andre and Charles. And then a Hungarian named Vilona. And he, um... He's yeah. a young pianist, and he's poor. Yeah. So he's in their group. Unfortunately, very poor. I don't... A neatly groomed young man named Doyle. I don't... Who is Doyle? Is Doyle Jimmy? Sorry, I, that threw me for a second. Yeah. A, a, a huge Hungarian named Bologna and a neatly groomed young man named Doyle. I think it was pronounced like Willona. Yeah. Oh, Willona. Yeah, I forget how the Hungarians do there. Yeah, um, well, now I got to know, is Doyle Jimmy? 
the hell? He has to be. Okay, so Doyle is Jimmy. I don't care. Um, And these are four hardy young men who have just run a race. Excited to be genuinely happy. In Dublin. There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of movement. They're driving. They're They're in crowds uh, of people. They're happening. Yeah. I can't tell. Uh, There's excitement. There's like legitimate excitement. They're in a race, right? Uh, They're in a legit race, I assume. They had been in a race. Okay. And yeah, this is kind of like the end of the race is, was the sense I got. And I don't know if they're... I don't think they ran over the finish line or anything, but somehow they're coming back to town after the race and everybody's waiting to see and cheer uh, the people who won, which were the French team, which I guess is included. Yeah, is included. Yeah. This team is included in that. The blue cars were the French cars. And everybody's happy. Now, historically, the, the Ireland people being happy with Frenchmen, is that a thing? Because I guess they're enemies of the English? Is that the um, Yeah, so connection? the French sometimes would support their... Or the French tried a few times to support their rebellions. Okay. Um, there was one in... Or yeah, a few times. Um, kind of as a way to just, like, screw the English. Right. Uh, certainly. <laughs> um Well, you know, it's funny, when you read English history, it's, I mean, it's all vague to me, I suck at remembering anything, but it's funny to know that France was a part of England, effectively, I mean, it was literally, the Queen and King of England were the Queen and King of France for a long time in their their head, you know, and by title, because of, I guess we read, we read Shakespeare, Henry, uh, yeah, it had a claim, a very bad claim. Right. It had a claim, like there was cousin or whatever. And I remember um, yeah. there were upstarts and things, and the French helped the, uh, yeah, the French helped the people trying to take out the, the English crown. So anyway, Ireland is, uh, is a fan of the French, and they seem to have won this race pretty overwhelmingly, so everybody's happy. Um, all right, so anyway, let's talk about the yeah, next... Yeah, I don't think it's just political. There's probably some, some aesthetic uh, camaraderie there. Sorry, anyway, go on. Um, so the next thing, they get out, there's a crowd, and they, they, they are getting ready to go to dinner at one of um, the hotels that Charles's father owns. Um, so that's sort of the interlude before the dinner. They go home to get ready. The dinner Jim... was excellent, excellent. <laughs> Very fancy dinner, it seems like. Doubling. Yeah. Um, th- let's talk about the quick... But yeah, I like that. I, I like that, that unnecessary doubling. Excellent, exquisite. <laughs> let's talk about the I'm quick the quick uh, trip home Jimmy made with his friend. Uh, his, oh, yeah. his father, like you said, became wealthy by, I think, owning butcher shops. And um, he's a good businessman. And... He's proud of his son. He's happy like how his son ended up, I think. Um, I, I, I underline so a yeah, line. Now that he's like making car invest, automobile investments. Yeah. And he, the connection with Charles, I think he's particularly proud of because Charles's father is so wealthy. Uh, I underlined a line where it talks about how Jimmy had this little stint of being a prodigal son. And his father yeah. was monstrative, but covertly proud of his excess, had paid his bills and brought him yeah. home. I like that line a lot. I thought that said a lot about the father. Um, 
Anyway, so they just kind of want to get away from the father and uh, go to the hotel for the dinner and get drunk and have fun. Um, they do that. And they do that, and they have a lot of discussion. They have opinions about art and opinions, opinions about politics. An Englishman. An Englishman joins yeah. them. And yeah. I, wrote, I underlined the line where it says there was even danger of personal spite. So they go really close to the line of going about, too far in politics. Yeah, when Jimmy talks about, you know, uh, his nationalism. Jimmy. generous yeah. influence felt the buried bill of his father raised to life within, within him. He aroused the torpid Ralph at last. think he's saying that it doesn't have its just desserts as a capital or do you think he's saying it's not really a capital it wore the mask of the capital yeah uh, as the when you're drunk enough i guess and rowdy enough it might seem might might do walking along and steven green it might feel like you're in a capital like a real capital um Then they run into an American, Farley. Farley. I like that name a lot, Farley. That man. Uh, and he was an American. A torrent of talk followed. All right, so Farley has like a yacht. No one knows what they're talking about. <laughs> they're talking. Um, they got into a car and they go somehow get over to his yacht where there's a piano and they play cards and drink. So Jimmy loses at cards and he knows in his head and i think you and i i I don't know we've never partied together or anything but i i really related to the ending i really related to the ending when he talks about how he knew he was going to regret but he was happy in the moment and especially the ending where he says that he was glad of the dark stupor that would cover up his folly and i i just thought that was a perfect way of saying how the end of a night or the end of an early morning feels when you're um, yeah. about to know that it's over and lay down. And uh, also has to do with the, the experience of, of a, of a expert drinker, I think. Yeah, like he understands exactly how it's going to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like this story a lot. You know, it, it just felt... Zestful and fun. Definitely more vivacious. 
I expected uh, something. Is, you know, the maybe not catastrophe, but there is, you know, it doesn't end, you know, super happily. He loses a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and, and it talks yeah, about how he's, pra- he's like, he has pragmatic instincts. I don't know where the line is. So I think he feels. Right. Is reasonable recklessness. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I think he feels like it's the days yeah, of doing this so. bullshit is should come to an end, you know, and he feels maybe regret about. Well, he's about twenty six. Yeah. You're about thirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all know how that feels. Um. And then the last line is daybreak, gentlemen. So yeah, I there's undercurrents yeah. of things about the nationalism, about the losing of money about uh, rich people and poor people that add spice to this story. But overall, reading it through was, um, it was like, it was fun. It was like, oh, this is, this is weird yeah. after reading these other four. So, yeah. and it does have Definitely to do with the age of the men, age. you know, the age of the men being, being of an age where it's hard, you know, they're going to have, I don't know. They're having fun, and that was sort of a different yeah. experience than the children and the and the woman who's deciding about leaving. Um, obviously, but yeah, cool. So whatever it is, it's not as paralyzed, as painfully paralyzed as most of the experiences we've uh, been through so far. Which we can maybe uh, point to. A reason for that being the wealth of the families. Do you think that was a sort of mm-hmm. one of? Yeah, I mean that's obvious. Yeah, it's an unspoken. I mean, well, yeah, it's spoken about. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. So, and, like, dabble in politics, but not really worry about it that much. Right. And give it up when you make enough money that you don't need to care about it anymore. <clears throat> Cool. Especially the disruptive politics like national, like Irish nationalism. Yeah. What is your cover like on your book by, um, by, um, Oh, the Barnes and Noble 